Good evening, guys. Stoked to be here. If you do not have a Bible, rocket that hand up and so we can get you one. If not, open yours to Luke chapter 8. That's where we're going to be. Um, Luke chapter 8. I'm going to continue through the gospel. Jo- Did I say Luke? John. John chapter 8. Did I say Luke? Oh, no. John chapter 8. <laughs> Oh, uh, quick, quick show of hands. Who was at the uh, fall festival last night? Most everybody. If you were there and serving, thank you so much. Last night was so much fun, such a blessing. Um, Like Steve was doing the announcements weeks and weeks prior to be a light in the community. That's all I saw. I was so blessed. You guys rocked it, loved on people, prayed for people, fed people, and it was beyond apparent that the Lord was just present and blessing people, and it was awesome. So if you were there and helped, thank you. If you are there and hang out, thank you for coming. You guys are awesome. So blessed. I'm going to pray. Actually, first, if you guys would, I was thinking about doing this or not doing this. Once you're at John chapter 8, please rise. We're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. That's something my dad liked to do a lot, and I was just, basically what I'm going to do is read chapter 8 in its entirety. We may not get to all of it tonight. We're going to try to get to it tonight, but I want to read the full chapter because I think it flows incredibly well and is jam-packed with goodies, um, and I know it's a long one, so hang in there. Take a seat if you need to. No condemnation, but here we go. We ready? Verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, or that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear, so that when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and from where, or I know where I came from. And where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in the law that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. 
These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke, of them, spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, you will, or then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed in Him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered Him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus then answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore do not hear, because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do, do we not say rightly that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I, hold, or, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory, there is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now that we know you are of a demon, Abraham is dead and prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? The prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have, and, and have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Father, thank you for your word. If we were to just do this and leave, that would be fitting enough, Lord. Your word is true, and it has the power to change lives. But Lord, as we expound on what went down in chapter 8, Father, I pray that you would fill me, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. We need you to help us rightly divide the word of truth. So Father, be with us tonight. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, would you soften hearts and unclog ears to hear what you want to do tonight, Lord? Not because I came with anything special, Lord. I know me. Lord, we need to hear from you and you alone. So Father, thank you so much for this night. And we beg of you, Father, would you speak to us, your kiddos. We love you, Jesus, and we give you thanks in your, Jesus, in, in your perfect name. Amen. Guys, you are awesome. Have a seat. I'm going to be honest. That was a long one. You guys are solid. Whew. Even I wanted to like... <laughs> Last week, we did 1 through 11. If you weren't here last week, please check out the podcast. It was awesome. David taught through um, the woman caught in adultery and Jesus riding in the dust, her accusers leaving, and her in her most vulnerable and shameful state before the Lord, what would have been so embarrassing, so heart-wrenching for her, was precisely where she was changed by our Jesus. Last week we talked about that's oftentimes where we are most changed. It's the moments where we've been caught in our sin. We're flat out wrong. It's displayed. But right there is when our Jesus wants to change us. Amen. I feel like this has been going kind of just this awesome work of the Lord of changing hearts and awakening people to their sin and calling them out of their sin. For whatever reason, the Lord is doing an awesome and mighty work here. And so last week was great. If you didn't hear it, please go check out the podcast. But we pick up in 12. And guys, like I said, I don't know how far we'll get tonight. I'm going to do my best to get a good chunk in, but it's, it's hefty. Just reading through it, you could probably see there's a lot of heavy hitters. There's some big topics. So verse 12 is right in that vein. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, this was probably right after that, you could call it maybe simply just a distraction. Jesus was in the, in the tabernacle or the temple, I'm sorry, teaching or the synagogue, teaching to these guys. The woman is thrown at her feet. He addresses the situation and then it's almost like verse 12, he just picks right back up where he left off, just continues teaching. Spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This was probably two weeks ago or last week. Remember where Jesus is right now. During that time, it was the feast of, do you guys remember what's going down? Feast of tabernacles. Feast of tabernacles, um, for those who don't know or are learning, and that's me too, um, that was when the people of Israel 
were, if they lived in a, in a home, would go to their rooftops and build shelters. Basically, it was a time to remember when the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and their task was to build these basically little tabernacles, basically little shelters, and they would live under the stars for seven days, and that was a time to reflect. If you had young ones who obviously hadn't lived through that, it was your duty as a parent or grandparent to teach them, hey, this is what the Lord did for us. This is how He provided for us. This is how He led us out. Here's what went down. So they're wrapping up the Feast of Tabernacles. And in my mind's eye, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, I wonder if on the last day, the workers there around the temple were taking down the, um, the large, large torches that they would light each night during the festival. Now these torches and even... Uh, Folks would carry around basically little lanterns, little lights. Light was a big, or little lights, flames were a big uh, symbol during the Feast of Tabernacles because it would symbolize the pillar of fire that the Lord used while the children of Israel were in the wilderness to lead them by night. So I could see it in my mind's eye. They're taking these things down, and I wonder if Jesus caught a glimpse of that going on. And he says to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Those guys in that day would have known exactly what he was saying. They would have seen exactly what was being said here. For them, he's saying, hey, follow me. I am your leader. Follow me and I will not lead you astray. You will have the light of life. So in context, I think that's a beautiful and awesome detail not to skip over. It was important and it was a detail that these guys would have picked up on. For us, guys, and last night is a great example. I was so encouraged to look around as you guys were feeding people, cooking on the grill, playing games, Chauncey, just rocking the toss over there, whatever it was, whatever facet of task that you guys had last night, it was more than clear that the Lord was present and that we truly were and you guys truly were as spirit-filled individuals a light in the community. On a crazy dark night where it's just evil and folks are stumbling around just drunk and hammered and it's just one of those nights where you're just like, wow, this is a lot of wackiness going on. Yet in the parking lot, it was clear as day. There was the light of life in spirit-filled individuals, you guys. For me, that is so important and so cool to think about. I thought of Psalm 119, verse 105. I'm going to quickly flip there. I probably don't need to, but I don't want to butcher it. Psalm 119, verse 105. Oh, there it is. I thought about this verse as studying. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We don't have the ability to, like the disciples, the apostles did, walk with Jesus in the flesh at that time. But in the beginning of John, what does it say? In the beginning was the word and the word was God. And we know Jesus is God. We're going to get to that into the, into the next few verses. But I was so encouraged by this. Hey, he's the light of the world. Well, hey, how do we follow the light? His word. So guys, 
if we're not opening up our word, and for me, I know my worst times are when my Bible is closed. When my Bible does this, and I go throughout my weeks or my months or, God forbid, my years, and my Bible is closed, and I'm not walking with the Lord, and I'm not reading, I'm not spending time with the light of life, my light, Jesus, that's when darkness quickly follows behind, right? So guys, let's spend time with the light of the world. Let's be in our word, amen? Super cool. And guys, like I said, this is, you could spend, I'm sure Steve could spend a week in that verse alone. There's so much doctrinally um, for us and things going on at the time, but for time's sake, we're going to move on. He is our light, amen? As a spirit-filled Christian, be a light. We are the salt and the light. Let's go. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Basically, they're saying, he says, hey, I'm the light of the world. They're like, what? You bear witness of yourself. You can't just say you are the light of the world. Who else is backing you on this? And Jesus' response is very interesting. Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. We know that as believers. Hey, if Jesus is God, what Jesus says goes, correct? But we also see a beautiful tie here between him and the Father and also for I know where I came from and where I am going. Jesus was able to speak from this authority and be able to be a witness of himself because he had an eternal perspective. He knew where he was before time began and he knew where he was going. Similarly to us guys, we can't necessarily claim this as Jesus did, but when we're witnessing and when we're sharing with people about our Jesus, about, hey, this is truth, this is the light of the world, hey, this is what's going on, and people say, well, what do you know? What, what's your witness? We have the beautiful ability to say, hey, I know where I'm going. I know what I used to be, what the, what the Lord pulled me out from, and I know where I'm going. So he, one, Jesus is able to bear witness of himself because of what? His eternal perspective. Two, um, you judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. So, oh, and I'm sorry, we're going to go to 16 too. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. He's able to bear witness because he was sent from the Father. 15, I want to hit quickly um, when it says, you judge according to the flesh. That's basically what they were doing. They were up to snuff on Jesus, who he was from their earthly perspective. Um, forgive the language here, but basically a, a bastard child, right? Born out of fornication in their minds, not buying the, the um, holy and miraculous birth. So they basically think Jesus is born out of fornication, um, and that's how they're judging him. They're approaching him on that basis of, who are you? We know who you are. This is your background. Like, how can you speak? How can you be a witness of yourself when this is who you are? And Jesus says, hey, you judge according to the flesh and I judge no one. Important piece here. That Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but by, or by him save it, through him save it. We know that one day, Jesus will judge the world. All sin will be judged. But in this time right here, that's not the role that our Messiah was playing. He didn't come to judge in this time. He came to save the world through the cross, through the crucifixion. Sound good? Just so we don't get confused on that. 
17. Man, we're not going to make it very far, are we? My goodness. 17. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So he's kind of playing their game here. And actually, this should have applied to what they did in earlier in chapter 8 with the woman. When these guys come up and they say, this woman was caught in adultery, stoner, killer. And when Jesus stoops down and writes in the sand and basically everybody leaves, Jesus was caught in a pickle there because one, if he says, yep, you're right, killer, then he's no longer the friend of sinners and somebody that the weak and the, the, the meek can come up to, the sinners can come up to and expect compassion from because they're like, whoa, Jesus just said to kill this woman and they did. So don't go to him with your issues because it could go poorly. But two, he couldn't just say, hey, she's free to go, back off because then he would be breaking the law. So when he writes down and everyone leaves and Jesus says, hey, where are your accusers? He could rightly let this woman go because there were no witnesses, there were no accusations put forth before her. So Jesus rightly handled the situation. Similarly, in verse 17, Jesus is saying, okay, hey, it's written in the law that the testimony of two men is true. If you want proof and if you need two men, here it is. I am one who bears witness of myself, one, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me, two. Important doctrinal point and a picture of the Trinity here. God the Father, God the Son are two but one. Important distinction here. 19. Then they said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, also, 19, the beginning there, that's kind of them taking a stab again at his birth. Where is your father? It's basically saying, your birth isn't legitimate. You claim you, the father bears witness of you. Who's your dad? Like, where is it at? Stabbing at him, attempting to mock him and discredit him based on his miraculous birth that they did not understand. And Jesus refutes that. You know neither me nor my father, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Jesus basically says, hey, if you knew who my father was truly, then you would know who I am. But again, this is them judging by the flesh. Because you don't know my father, you don't know me. So he's basically just handling this honestly just nasty situation by the Pharisees who are obviously frustrated, but he's just handling it perfectly. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught them in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. 21. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you did not believe that I am he you will die in your sins. When Jesus says this, he is no doubtedly, when he says, I'm going away, he's eventually, he is talking about his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension back to the Father, getting the full picture from Jesus. That is what he's talking about. But these guys, the Pharisees and the Jews around him are like, what's he going to kill himself? And basically the connotation there, if you committed suicide in that day, it was like, Worst of the worst situations, directly to hell. There was no redemption for that if you had committed suicide. That was the belief in the time that 
you would be sent to hell. So Jesus has to set them straight and correct them, basically. Hey, you are from beneath, which I'm sure these guys were stoked to hear. Honestly, this whole chapter I was reading, he, he has some pretty firm words for these guys as he's making accusations. Jesus was not afraid to tell the truth bluntly. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Guys, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through him. Amen? Clear as day. No funny business. Jesus flat out tells these guys, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It's not popular. It's not a warm and fuzzy conversation when you bring this up to people. In fact, it's quite jarring. That's why when people say, well, the gospel is offensive. Yes, it is. It is offensive. But it is necessary. Jesus was not beating around the bush to be unoffensive to these individuals. He knew they needed the absolute harsh truth. And guys, as we love on people in this community, and as we go out, it's wonderful to be gentle and kind to individuals, but eventually the hard truth of the gospel needs to be brought up. I'm the first to admit it's easy to shy away from. It's not easy to say to people, hey, if you do not believe in Jesus and the work he did on the cross, you will die in your sins and spend eternity in hell. That is not a cozy conversation, but it's necessary, amen? And Jesus was right on. I don't know if he was sharp with these guys. I, I would imagine he would be in this conversation. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was with a broken heart relaying this to these guys. But it was truth nonetheless. Sound good? Right on. We're going to see that a few more times, so we're going to keep rolling. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, funny, they've asked him this like eight times. They're not getting it. Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning I have many things to say to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. This is not a who are you in an honest fashion. They're still digging. They're still just getting to hear what they want to hear, something they can accuse him of. And Jesus basically says, hey, you're not listening. It's what I've been telling you from the get-go. And I have many things to judge concerning you. This was an interesting Verse, I didn't quite get to the bottom of it. And maybe it's, maybe it's very simple. But it's almost like Jesus was like holding his tongue. Like there was things about these guys that he was like, oh, I want to address some things. But I thought it was cool the obedience we see to the Father from Jesus here. I only speak the things that the Father sent for me. Maybe not. Um, don't quote me on that. But that was, that was an interesting verse relaying that. But I just think that it's really cool to see, okay, hey, like, there were things that Jesus wanted to address maybe, but he was obedient to the Father and the things concerning the things that he was supposed to say. They did not understand, 27, that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, 
When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Excuse me, guys. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. 29 was so humbling. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. How many of you can say that? Don't do it. Fibbers. Can we say sometimes? 10% we do the things that please the Father? Dang. So humbling. And I know this may sound very simplistic, and I don't mean it to be, because you're like, God, Josh, I know Jesus was perfect. I get it. Move on. But I was so blown away by this verse and blown away by his grace and mercy to me because I think to myself, oh my gosh, I blow it constantly. If there was a percentage on my lifetime, like bottom of the barrel, am I pleasing the Father? Lord willing, not. I don't know about your life. If you're living a spirit-filled, righteous life and doing incredible, praise the Lord. That's awesome. But I'm so thankful that when our time is called, church, and we're up and out of here, it's not going to be like the percentage check. You, Josh Beale, did not always please the Father. Oof. That's rough. Uh, How'd you get here? Brutal. Praise the Lord, it's not that. It's not who we are, it's whose we are. Amen. I'm so thankful that positionally I have Jesus' righteousness wrapped over me, his robe of righteousness covering me. And when the Father looks at you, and when the Father looks at me, I don't have to say, Lord, I please the Father 40% of the time. Please let it be enough. He looks at you and me, and he sees his son. <sighs> Praise the Lord for that. Amen. So rad. This verse rocked me. But how amazing is our God? He always, 100% of the time, Never missed an opportunity, never faltered, always did the things that pleased the Father. That's our Jesus, amen? We move on. 30 is also amazing. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Praise the Lord. As he's relaying who his Father is, how he can testify of himself, the woman there, um, that he's always pleasing the Father, that you don't know my Father, but I am from my Father. Hey, you are from beneath, but I am from above. People are listening to this, and apparently to verse 30, people that moment said, I believe. Praise the Lord. Amen. I hope that that's the effect that we had last night, and any opportunity that you guys get to share the gospel, and I know it doesn't always work out that way. We wish it would sometimes, but that is the Jesus that lives in us. Amen? 
when we speak the Word, when we encourage people from the Word, it's no less different. We may not be as bold at the time, but we are ambassadors of the same truth that has this kind of impact. And man, we need more people to come to the Lord. Looking at it last night, people getting prayed and loved on, and we've been praying, we prayed after we broke down and tonight before we started that what people saw in you guys would have an effect. Amen. Oh, Lord, we pray for the salvation of those who were with us yesterday. Lord, we pray that you would change hearts. Father, they are dying and going to hell and they need you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Would you change hearts? 31. What time you got? Keep it rolling. (laughs) Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. So apparently addressing these guys right off the bat. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Guys, if you are a follower of Jesus, what does Jesus say? If you abide in my word, stay put. Hang out. Like we said earlier in Psalm 119, 105, His Word is a light into our feet. (coughs) One moment. We have a cup holder now. That thing's sick. Classic. As a simple encouragement, guys, if we're followers of Jesus, Jesus, if we want to be His disciples, we need to abide in His Word. Plain and simple. I know it's hard. In fact, I've had to get my tree rattled recently. And the wife said, hey, you're not in your word as much as you ought to be. Pick it up. And it was tough to hear, but so good. And I got to tell you guys, like I said earlier, when I'm doing the best, when I am closest to the Lord, and when I am in sync with his will for my life, it's when I am deep in his word. Guys, let's be in our word. Amen. All right. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Another great benefit of being in the Word. You will know the truth. <clears throat> when we're rooted in the Word, a believer who is rooted in the Word is hard to shake. We have the truth at our fingertips. All life's troubles and issues, all the things going on in our, today in our current world, all the, I don't want to get into it, politics, gender, whatever you want, If you want the truth, it's right here at our fingertips. Amen? Let's be in our word. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Oh, wait, did I skip? Oh, I did. I'm so sorry. Um, How will you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Or daughter. Therefore, if the son, capital S, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. These guys basically saying, which is this statement that they made, we haven't been in bondage to anyone. What do you mean we'll be made free? In that moment, at that time, 
right then and there, Rome was ruling over the country. For them, it was the Babylonians. Before them, it was the Assyrians. Before them, it was the Egyptians. I don't know what they were thinking with what they said, but yes, they have been in bondage <laughs> many times. But that's not the bondage that Jesus was talking about. They were, <clears throat> they were relaying to a physical bondage. Jesus was getting to the heart of the issue. It was a spiritual bondage. And he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I'm 29 years old. It hasn't taken a ton of time in my life to know that sin will keep you longer than you want to be around. When we walk into sin, whether willingly <clears throat> or unknowingly, maybe at first, but decide to stay, ah, it's not a big deal. I got this under control. I can handle. Hey, it's just, I'm really tired. It's been a long week at work. I know it's probably one too many, but I just, I'm so over it. I can handle it. Sin will keep you much longer than you intend to be there. Sin will lead you to bondage and slavery to it. Eventually, something that you thought you got the handle on, you will become a slave for. You will become a tool of that thing. We don't have to look around very hard. Oftentimes, I just go to the mirror <laughs> to know that this is truth. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. <clears throat> and this time, before the Lord comes to get his church, we can sin and be in the house in a sense. But there will be a day if we persist, if you and I persist in sin, we're getting booted from the house. There will be a day where it's no longer going to fly. It's no longer going to be permissible in the sense of, oh, I've got time. I've got this under control. A, sin, or a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Guys, if you are a daughter or a son of our Father Jesus Christ, you are not a slave to sin. You may struggle with it, and it may be really hard, and I understand that. I really, really do. I really do. But if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Satan will throw the yoke on you the moment you allow it. But when we are tempted, when we feel we're going in that direction, the Lord desires to take you right from it. We have the ability to do it, but also, guys, you do not have to, as believers and followers of Jesus, have to go that direction any longer. You have the Spirit of the Most High God living in you. If you have Jesus as your Savior, that is a chain-breaking freedom that you have any time you are tempted or feel you're going down that route. If I could encourage you guys, tap in. 
Trust this promise right here. You will be made free indeed. Amen. I needed to hear that. <clears throat> That's not to belittle you guys. If you, There are legitimate, whether it's, I don't know, there are a lot of things. There's something you truly do struggle with, and it's, it's sin. Man, could I encourage you? Press into the Lord. He wants to set you free. And if you are an unbeliever, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight's the night. Because the reality is, what is taught here is you need to be set free. If you're not a believer in Jesus and the work that He did on the cross when He bore all of our sin, past, present, future for each one of us, if we don't say, Lord, I believe that You died on the cross for me, rose again in three days and ascended to the Father and are ruling and reigning as King of the universe, if you say, eh, whew, guys, that's a scary place to be. And I would encourage you, don't play games with sin any longer. You can be set free right now. Put your faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's check the time. A couple more, huh? We go. <sighs> you know what? No. We're stopping right there. I think that's a good place to stop. Want to do one more? Same as the last song. Let's do one. You down? Let's do it. Guys, I know most of you in here, and I know most of us are believers, if not all of us. Like I mentioned earlier, the past couple weeks, it just feels like the Lord's doing something really cool. I've seen and know people who are just repenting of sin and rededicating their lives to the Lord, living on fire. If there's anybody here tonight who doesn't know my Jesus, I want to give you guys the opportunity. If we could hit the lights, I don't know if we can do that. But we're going to do just the one last song. <clears throat> Pastor Steve, you want to go front? Thank you. PK, you down? Just those two. Maybe, Linda, do you want to come up? That'd be sweet. I'm putting all these guys in the spot. Thanks, guys. If that word was for you, I'd ask to exercise some boldness. Come up to the front, to these guys, and if you don't know Jesus as your loving Savior, tonight, Guys, would you make that decision? The times are crazy. It's getting whack out there. And we need the light of life ruling and reigning inside of us. Amen? So we're going to do one more song. During that song, guys, if you want to come up and receive the Lord, just ask for these guys to pray for you. If you just need prayer in general, come on up. I know we did this last week. It's not to, I'm not on a, David got this many people. I'm trying to get this many people. That's not, <laughs> that's not what we're going for. But I really do feel like these past few weeks have been an awesome time for hearing and acting. And I would encourage you guys to act. If you need prayer over sin, 
or for salvation, come on up. But we're going we're gonna to sing one last song and then we're out of here. I'm sorry for going over time, but yeah, let's do it.